0: Previously on the wake-up call with KB and Andy.
1: At GameBridge Pacers and Wizards, our coverage here on the fan beginning at 630. Cannot wait. Uh, Basically, KB and I have bets all over the board on the the Pacers. So we'll see what happens, whether they be tonight or future bets. We got boosts. We got all sorts of things happening right now. So uh, a lot on the line. Before we get into Pacer talk, a little bit of Colts talk as well. Big game, obviously, at Lucas Oil on Sunday. I was just reading up uh, to see if you know Chris Olave got arrested, the uh, star wide receiver for the Saints, or he got pulled over reckless driving, what, going 70 and a 35. We talked a little bit about that uh, you know Monday or Tuesday. Uh, I was reading up on it. He did drop the line, and I don't blame him because I would have done the same. He did drop the line to the police officer. I play for the Saints during his.
2: Uh... <laughs> Didn't Jake Query do that at the NFL Combine last year, Mark? When he forgot his credential? Nah, don't you know who I am? I am. In turn have you seen three, my seats at the wow, WC- City, Indianapolis 500. Wow. Well, okay, so he forgot it at at, at the 500. No, he forgot or the his at The combine. I think that was the day we had Grigson. Was it Grigson and Sirianni? Yes. It might have been Grigson and Steichen was it Steichen? I or? think we had Ryan Grigson at eight <laughs> and Shane Steichen at nine. Sirianni <laughs> is, I think we did earlier in the week. Sir, yeah, it, was, it was either Sirianni or Steichen, but yeah, I So remember. he had to go back home. He had to go and, all the way home. So the Combine's over here at the oh, convention oh, center. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, so he had to go back home. And, he uh, called me, he's like, what should I What should I do? I'm like, I think you have to go and Kevin I will hold down the fort while you go get your credentials. I think
1: I saw Chris Ballard, like, right when he took, uh, you know, not too far after when he took over for the Colts, you know, this would have been a number of years ago because yeah, I, I covered the, uh, the Combine a number of years. People asked You know the guys that are there for autographs outside like the big media room? You know you know this setup. I think someone asked him Chris Ballard for an autograph. I just remember thinking that was funny. (laughs) <laughs> go to a high school
2: game when his son's playing and ask like, for not. I just remember thinking that was funny. Like, ah, uh, getting his hot dog and popcorn over the Westfield Shamrocks. Yeah, like, I know your, I, know, you're yeah, Colts I know but GM, still. I don't know. It sounds a little. So bit... So Jake couldn't even do. Hey, I'm with, I'm no, with the fan. Unfortunately, I'm, uh, I'm did not Jay work Query. out. they were, wow. they were, uh, they were very They're hardcore. Uh, yes, Pacers get underway tonight. Pacers and Wizards, as Andy said, seven o'clock tip over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Um, to me, I. I I feel like realistic expectations should be in that five six seed range. You know, you you look at last season, Andy, and you won thirty five games, and you know Tyrese Halliburton missed twenty six.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, he missed a lot. And I was looking at it the other day because to me, I just remember it getting ugly quick when Halliburton was out. You know, he had that, I think it was an ankle injury in in New York. And, you know, at one point there, it was a little bit of like, hey, do you buy at the trade deadline? Like, have you all of a sudden changed expectations? They re-signed Turner in late January. That was obviously a big question entering the season. Um, the Pacers without Halliburton last year, they were 7-19. and That obviously is not a good record. If you look at the 19 losses, Andy... 14 of them by double digits. Five of them by at least 20. It's a reminder of just how much he means to this franchise. And obviously you can look at that glass half full or glass half empty. Glass half full would say, that dude is a hell of a talent. And what a trade it was for the Pacers. And how vitally important it is to have a quarterback like that for your basketball team moving forward. A guy that can score, that can pass. I mean, every night, Andy, you pencil him in for forty to fifty points based off scoring and assist, that is rare. That is not a given. There, there are what probably a handful of guys in the NBA that do that. Um, the glass half empty approach would be, damn. When he goes off the floor, how's that going to look? You know, this is maybe a little premature to look ahead to, but you know, come a playoff series, you think teams are going to be running two defenders to Tyrese Halliburton a whole sure. lot? Yeah. Sure. So I think yeah. that's where you look at a Benedict Mather and say, okay, can you be? the same type of score with the starters that you were coming off the bench last season. The bench production was uh, really one of the more impressive rookie seasons this franchise has seen. Can you give that as the starters? Is Bruce Brown playing more of a number, I don't know, three or four option role? Is that something that he can handle? As a full-time starter, is Obi Toppin a flash in a pan like he was in New York when he started? You know What does a contract year look like for him, can Buddy Heald be kind of that, that six-man score that I think you expect him to be? So um, I think those are obviously some storylines. And then just does anyone want to guard on the perimeter? Because perimeter defense has been so, so bad for this team. Bruce Brown, of course, a big, big part of that. Uh, those are a few items that I'll be looking to. You know, to.
1: There, there are a few things, KB, that kind of remind me as the Pacers get ready to go tonight. Again, our coverage at 6.30 here on The Fan. You know, the things, you know, you mentioned... When we were talking about Anthony Richardson, let's go back to the Colts and I'll, and I'll bring it all together. The other side of this was, remember we talked about before the season, I think we've talked about it since, you know, like the offensive line, right? Like what else do you have around Anthony Richardson? I think Juju Brents was a part of this. He gets injured. I know he didn't play uh, early season because he's had some injury issues, but if he kept playing here, if he can get back in a couple weeks, whatever it is, and you feel good about Juju Brents, you're starting to feel good about pieces of your offensive line you have to feel really good signing jonathan taylor and josh downs on that rookie contract deal you have to feel really good about him and so you start to pencil things in and that's what Halliburton is with the pacers he's the ultimate i'm going to pencil you in Uh, we know your stats are going to be there right Uh, and that is so valuable when you fill out uh, the rest of the team. The other things for me, if you go back to last year, you know, this team was under 500 at home. And I know it was only 20 and 21, but the Colts stink at home, too. <laughs> someone, yeah, 1 someone, and 8 in their yeah, last night.
2: Someone's going to have to start winning some damn home games around <laughs> like, here, okay? I, I'm not usually. Uh, JMB <laughs> is much more of the must win guy. I feel like for city vibes, we need a Pacers convincing victory tonight. Like I, yeah, I, I know yeah. that sounds a little crazy to say, but like. Think about how the last 7 to 10 days have gone. Yeah, 109 for Colts to 109 fans. to 90 or something like that. How do we lead off the show? How did the Pacers, <laughs> you know, the Pacers haven't been in the playoffs in a few years, haven't won a playoff game in 6 years. If you're a fan of IU basketball, if you're a fan of Purdue basketball, you don't like how last season ended. Purdue much more of a kick in the you know what than Indiana, but still Indiana, you know, getting run off the floor by Miami in that second round matchup. Like it's time to have kind of the feel good winning. I mean, if you just go back A decade ago, Andy, we were used to the Pacers and the Colts' annual playoff trips. Right, and I think it's you know for our own fandom in this market that's being selfish, but for the franchise, it's time to feel winning. Like, and I think you can marry the both of them together. Of this era needs to feel some winning. Rick Carlisle hasn't won a playoff series in over a decade. You know, it's time to kind of get back to that, but at the same time, you can still sit here and say, I don't think this is, like, all in. This is all of a sudden, if you don't win this year, Carlisle's gone, Halliburton's going to be the first one right. right out of yeah, town. Blow like, things up, make some trades, be sellers. I think you're in kind of the first real year of the winning and now the rebuild has a lot of pieces that you think will continue to be there in place. It's not done by any means. I still think you have the ability to take one really big swing here in the next, whatever, 12 to 24 months. But you have enough in place right now to be a team that is playing in the playoffs and not just to play in come April.
1: I know you wanted to play this clip. Tyrese Halliburton uh, yesterday talking about overall the expectations and I love that there are expectations here going into this season.
2: I'm excited about having some expectations. I guess I've never had a t- been on a team before that's had real expectations and although I don't know what they are from, <laughs> from people, I do think that some people believe that we are, we have a chance to be a playoff team whereas Last year, that would have never been a conversation. So, um, you know, to have that be talked about, I think, is interesting. But uh, just looking forward to another year of building. I love that quote from Halliburton. It's almost a shocking quote when you hear him describe it. But he's right. If you look back um, on his career, not only here in Indiana, go back to Sacramento, even go back to Iowa State, Andy, he has not been on a team with a better record than eight games under five hundred since his freshman year at Iowa State. That's unbelievable. Like they haven't even sniffed five hundred. It's unbelievable. And, and I want to make this clear, I don't think this is some sort of like indication on Tyrese Halliburton as a player, because if you look at it, really the 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 one big season he's had as the lead guy was last year, and the Pacers were easily over five hundred with him in The lineup. They obviously struggled when he was out of the lineup, but like he needs to feel what that is. Buddy Heald, if he's going to be part of this team moving forward, he hasn't played in a playoff game in all of these years. You know, you hope the injection of Bruce Brown brings some of that winning pedigree, some of that championship pedigree. It's been a while since Miles Turner has experienced a playoff game. You know, it's not like Obi Toppin had a big role with the Knicks, even when they have done a little bit of winning here as of late. So um, I like that Halliburton is embracing that. Um, I think his comments are very accurate. This time last year, we would not have even sniffed the playoff talk. This year, to me, on, you know, whatever, 12 hours away from the season getting underway, it's deserved. And it's a credit to the Pacers for bringing those expectations onto themselves, but also, uh, it's a little bit more of a bullseye. And now, I think the franchise needs to deliver because uh, the old feel-good, entertaining loss, where are you in the top 10 of the lottery? No, I'm not going to have that discussion this year. No,
1: okay, so that what's been difficult about the Colts, and again, I'm equating the two here, is there were expectations, KB, but were there really, right? It's why the team could start out the way that it did, and it was a surprise to a lot of fans. Like, that's the way that I view all of this, that everything, and we've had to change, and we might have to change. Listen, if they go lose to the Saints, we're going to have to change again. Everything's been about Anthony Richardson. There was no set... Uh, Win loss, there was no set expectation other than, quite frankly, a quarterback, a coach, and a few other individual players. That's that's right. I mean, I'm not wrong there. I mean, everyone thought they're going to win three to three, four, five games. You had them at six or seven, and you were on the high side. So there was never this push that that every single game, the actual win loss mattered. And I thought you saw that first Jacksonville game a little moral victory. This is what I love about the Pacers season is, yes, we are not expecting them to be Boston or Milwaukee or Phoenix or even, you know, or the Lakers. We're not expecting that or the Nuggets. We're not expecting that. But what we are expecting is for them to be a playoff team. Uh, I am a little loftier than most. I am with you in being a top six seed. And when you look at teams whether it be Chicago, Toronto, Perhaps Atlanta. The other thing is being better than some of these teams. You're going to have to have a better record yeah, the play than some of teams these teams last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I left Miami off that list because I, I believe in kind of like the Miami way. They can win 42 games and still make a run. I, you know, that's just what Miami is. Now, that may run out. That luck may have finally run out with them. But, I mean, to me, it is pretty clear cut what the Pacers need to be and what they need not be this season. And that's that's going to be easier to talk about them than it has been with the Colts because the Colts have had a bunch of yeah butts, right? Well, it's a new coach. It's a new quarterback. it's a, Now it's an injured quarterback and it's Gardner Minshew and it's this and it's that. And it, it, it's it's hard to lock them down, right? It's hard to lock them down. The Pacers are not that. We expect them to be a playoff team. Me and you expect them to be a higher seed maybe than others. And when you look at some some of these other teams that are right around them, uh, you know, we're expecting them to be better. I mean, you know, tonight they're a seven, seven and a half point favorite. You know, Washington had the exact same record as them last year. KB, <laughs> I mean, that shows how much better the Pacers have got, and how much maybe Washington uh, has tore down as well. But passing these teams, uh, I mean, there's there's legit expectations on this team, which is fantastic. By the way,
2: uh, bet is locked in. I okay, just put what do it down. Do? Pacers plus forty five wins. Okay. So so 45 would would not 45, win. 45 no, uh, 45 plus I 45 should say. 45 plus. Yes. Okay? Uh-huh. There uh, we go. I got plus 320 on those Let's odds, go. so that would be three, you know. So 45 and 37 change. is what you're thinking. That's where I'm going with this. Okay? I, I need Halliburton to stay healthy. Well,
1: I I mean this is the only thing and you've talked about it with the Pacers is they have one of these guys that can carry. I know. They don't have a second guy yeah, they can carry, and i
2: mean, not everybody does, but the good teams do, obviously. And that's why, to me, the Matherin second year experience is going to be so fascinating to watch, Andy. For you, you obviously are unfamiliar with this. My infatuation with Benedict Matherin <laughs> is was and is through the roof. Uh, Build the statue. It was a common phrase that I would echo last season um, leading into that's who I wanted the Pacers draft. You know, again, he had a really promising rookie year. But now the question is are you really real? You know, are you, you know, he talks about being a Jimmy Butler, he talks about being a two way guy. The Pacers want him to be a little bit of an assist guy. You know, sometimes. He puts that head down and attacks the rim, and it's like, yep, you ain't seeing that ball if you're one of the other four guys on the pace, What does team. he need to be for you? I mean, is, to is, me, it, a, is it a
1: number thing? Is it he needs yeah. to be a clear-cut starter where it's not wishy-washy? What is it with you?
2: Yeah, again, a 16-point guy sprinkling in a couple of assists a game. The turnover rate is not that, that high. And then on the other end of the floor, he's too athletic, too wired to not be a capable defender. So that one is a little bit more gray area, but offensively, Um, You know, be a plus-15-point guy a game. But I think more than anything, when he drives, on the scouting report, Andy, it says, the dude's a driver, and you better collapse on him when he drives. Okay, when two or three guys are around you, make the right read. And I thought there were some moments in the preseason he did that. Um, But again, to take a very scoring-charged human, I mean, he is wired to score, and he can do that. And to tell him... Hey, don't go full pedal to the metal, ease up a little bit when you get in the lane, make the extra pass. I'm curious. Very curious to see how that is going. To so this go. is this is your this is your
1: love interest here on the basketball floor. Mark, is this what you guys had to deal with oh, yeah. last year? Oh yeah. yeah. Benedict okay. was
2: one of the names on the birth certificate for Max and, mm-hmm. and Maddie erased it.
1: It hey, was good,
3: Kevin. Thank you for your support. I heard you a big fan of the Paces. Um, I'm here, you know, supporting you. You support I forgot me. Forgot about this. And I'm really excited. You know, I'm really excited for the season and uh, looking forward to do some damage and get some wins. Let's go. I'm convinced that
2: they thought that that was like a ten-year-old boy. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. oh, uh-huh. can you write a message? Yeah, to Kevin? Second Not- grader here uh-huh. over at IPS School 72. <laughs> Little Kevin, mid-thirties, uh-huh. Kevin Bowen, radio. Host. Yeah, yeah. Am I embarrassed by that? What? Am I blushing? Know. What are those
1: called again? Those the the voicemails that people used to do? Uh, is that that's what it was? Cameos. Right? Uh, it was a cameo, was it? No, no, it, was just, no it, was they just it was just
2: the Pacers PR. Yeah, oh, the Pacers the, the the PR Pacers did that? Them yeah.
1: <laughs> I thought you guys Yeah, paced? I had a month nope.
2: run there where there was like, is wow. there, there going to be a restraining order? I, I mean, there, there were multiple <laughs> months, to be clear on it. I just love I, I love how he plays the game. I love how he's wired. I think this team needs a little bit of an edge, and, and I think he brings that. And I like how him and Halliburton are different personalities. To me, I think that's important to keep guys, um, you know, wired. <laughs> the right way. And, and Halliburton, I think he just gets it. Halliburton just gets the responsibilities that he has. He wants to be in the Midwest. Uh, boy, that was such a brilliant trade by Kevin Pritchard. So, more Pacers Conversation upcoming, 9 o'clock hour. Kristen Airy TV Voice, will join us. We'll chat about that. On the other side, Stephen Holder. Some uh, Jim Irsay news late last night. We'll share that with you. Get Stephen's thoughts. Uh, any trade deadline opinion for Stephen coming up? six days away from that and the Michael Pittman comments justified from the Colts' number one whiteout. We'll chat with Stephen about that on the other side. This is the Wake Up Call of kb and
4: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com
1: Yes, Wednesday reminder. Pacers Wizards that coverage beginning at six thirty tonight. Cannot wait for that. Pacers underway. KB has uh, forty five wins and over bet, so <laughs> he's all in, baby. Which I love. We'll be analyzing uh, the entire Pacers
2: season through the eyes of Kevin Bowen and his forty five <laughs> win bet coming up. You know when you uh, say here. that number last year when I just needed thirty, <laughs> it sounded so much more attainable. But I, I mean, do. The math what's 45 i mean that, oh, don't make me do math on the spot please
1: I, I don't need i just need a little bit over 500 right yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit over five. You need four games over 500 to be exact. I can do that math. percent win percentage. So I can do that math. Every 10 games, win six of them? Yeah, You can do that. There you go. Just no one get injured? Let's get Stephen Holder in here. Uh, he joins us every Wednesday in the 8 o'clock hour. ESPN.com follows the Colts there. Uh, we're making our final bets before the Pacers season. That's what we're doing, Stephen. Good morning. How are you? Um,
3: good. Um, so you're going to put me on the spot right away, I see.
1: No. no, No. I'm saying we are making our bets. That's what I would say. Me and KB are doing that right now. You know, But Season's underway. No, but that, you're in under 12
3: that is, hours. That is an interesting exercise, though. I, I don't have anything for you, but I actually am uh, interested to see what other people think.
2: Yeah, Stephen uh, has been in the <laughs> monitor and Jim Irsay's late-night news yes, items. We got a couple of more last night from the Colts owner. Let's start there, Stephen. Uh, I guess just go in chronological order with what Jim Irsay said late last night uh, in summary uh, the first part of his tweet anthony richardson had successful surgery yesterday in los angeles no timetable for his return and you added something last night on who the surgeon was care to share some of that info
3: yeah uh, it's uh, dr neil Elatrosh, I, I think is his pronunciation i'm probably grasping it wrong anyhow he is like the elite of the elite okay this guy he, he recently did aaron Rodgers' achilles tendon uh he he did a kobe bryant's uh the late kobe bryant when he uh, tore his achilles uh he has done i believe joe burrow's knee this guy is basically the the surgeon that the most elite athletes go to um, so if your quarterback gets hurt you go to this guy um, and yeah, he's the best. And, and so what I, and he's got kind of a
2: also, shoulder background,
3: right? Yeah. He has done a lot of baseball guys. Um, I think he has done even, um, um, uh, Otani. And I can't remember who else, but he's done a lot of baseball guys, uh, that, my, that I know of. So anyway, he, and my understanding is when they went in there, uh, they were very pleased from everything I heard. And, didn't see any damage. The labrum's in good shape. Everything in there was in good shape. Even the uh, the, uh, the 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 tendons and ligaments. You uh, know, well, while I assume there was some damage there, uh, there wasn't anything that was unexpected by them. So yeah, everything seems uh, to be. Ex- yeah, I guess best case scenario for this kind of injury. And and obviously, you know, rehab is the rehab, and, and you can't always predict how that goes because every athlete is different, but but it really does seem to be a best-case scenario right now. And
2: then the other part of Jim Irsay's tweet from last night was in relation to the uh, end of the game on Sunday, uh, and I'll just read that verbatim. Again, Ursay's tweet, the NFL admits and understands they did not make the correct calls at end of Sunday's Colts-Browns game. I believe we need to institute instant replay for all calls, including penalties in the last 2 minute of games um you got to love versaie steven love it oh my god
3: i was thinking this is almost like this is almost like you get in a fight with your wife and then you know she comes out and makes an announcement like Kevin admits and understands that he was wrong, <laughs> <laughs> and he'll never do that again.
2: Yeah, sends that to her friends. Yeah, I'm probably, she probably has oh, done that man. before, but yeah. Uh, I, I, again, part of me is like, I, I, I wouldn't mind a little bit more public accountability from the NFL sure. with... With officials, yeah, at the end of the day, it's just salt and meat wounds, and it doesn't probably make you feel any better about Sunday. I, I I do think that is something the NFL could explore, particularly with gambling. I mean, the NBA does it. The NFL does list the officials like on the box score, so um, I do think that's something that they could do. I, I personally see little, little leverage to all of a sudden getting, you know, replay for all calls happening, especially the final two minutes. I think there's so much gray area. Do you only do that for picking up flags? You, do you do that for yeah. calling flags? Yeah, I I just don't see that happening.
3: Yeah, so uh, so both points I agree with you. Number one, uh, I I I don't think the NFL will – well, let me rephrase that. I, I agree that there's not much benefit to – to rehashing some of this stuff. I mean, the NBA does do it and maybe it, it, it it makes people feel better about the arguments they were making the night before screaming at their TV, which is, I guess, okay, but it doesn't change anything in the grand scheme and probably just leaves you more pissed off. So it accomplishes nothing. Uh, (laughs) I think all you can do is just strive to get it right in the first place. And and then just go from there. Now, as for the other point about uh, challenging or, or making all, Uh, penalties reviewable i would argue i could be wrong maybe i'm wrong but i i would argue that's never going to happen and the reason is okay in in a catch scenario or if a guy's inbounds or out of bounds right i mean those are things that we can clearly define on replay the problem is penalties a lot of them are judgment calls holding is a judgment call right you know, interference is a judgment call. A lot of this stuff, it really boils down to interpretation. It's not black and white. And so how do you find incontrovertible evidence of that on video? How the hell do you do that when there's really no true metric for some of this? I'll give you an example. Uh, the, the the ball that was thrown um, on the, the pass interference play, that is a play where and it, when the ball is uncatchable, I mean, I actually went and looked this up, looked up the NFL rule. There's no true definition of what catchable is. Now, I'm not suggesting that that was a catchable ball. I'm not. I'm just saying it's in the eye of the beholder, right? So, so how do you measure that? You know, from a from a replay perspective, how do you go back and and determine that and say, all right, this is this is irreversible. Um, or inarguable video evidence. I, I don't know how you do that. and So I just think it's a can of worms Is not going to, to open. I mean, we went down this road a little bit with pass interference a couple of years ago after the NFC Championship game with the Saints and the Rams. And what happened? It was a sham. That was a, a, it was a sham. Right. Nightmare. That was a temporary experiment. And the NFL very quickly said, oh, not no, but hell no. We're not doing this anymore. So I don't think it's going to happen.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Stephen Holder with us. Pay less liquors hotline. Follows the Colts for ESPN.com. Listen, before we go forward to the Saints, and we can go to Michael Pittman's comments and Minshew's turnovers, and so, you know, the importance of the game in Lucas Oil against New Orleans on Sunday, how much of the game against Cleveland did you think the Colts were going to kind of hang on to that game? And I guess, just what did you make of it? We've talked about the officiating, the Minshew turnovers. Jonathan Taylor kind of looked back to his old self, uh, all the freak show things that Miles Garrett did, uh, quite the game and a chance to win, and then P.J. Walker goes 80 yards at the end of the game. A lot went into that game, and I left that game feeling pretty empty because I thought the Colts were going to win for large parts of it.
3: It's one of those games where it's very strange. I talked to a lot of players in the locker room, and, and they all agreed and, and for the most part. I mean, everybody was, or very a great many of their players had great games. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you look around that locker room and how many of those guys went out there and just played their tails off. I, you know, I went, I was talking to Kenny Moore and next to him is Julian Blackman. Then, you know, right down the row is, um, you know, a couple other guys and Diola Dengbo was across the way. I'm like, man, that guy had a great game. It's like the Forrest Buckner, he had a great game, you know, there's Jonathan Taylor. He had a great game. <laughs> it's like, well, how'd they lose this game? And that's just a disappointing thing. I mean, that was true for, for both teams. You know, there, there were guys on both sides, a lot of guys on both sides that just made a ton of plays. I mean, that's how you get a 39-38 a game to begin with. And it's about, you know, a couple of things. Obviously, the calls not going their way, but also just you know not getting a couple of bounces. I mean, that, the big play that that was given up the big completion that was given up to get Cleveland you know down in scoring position that was a huge play I mean Darrell Baker on that play tries to make a play on the ball and and just kind of misses it over his outstretched arm you know it, it is a game of inches we say this all the time and those two calls while massive no question about it uh there were also lots of other little twists and turns you know that that did ultimately lead to that result, and I I will be remiss if I don't mention this. I mean, I think the final sequences in the second quarter were huge, <laughs> absolutely huge. And I I just I have to say, and Shane Steichen kind of owned this already. He screwed up. He just did. He screwed up on the, both those sequences. The field goal attempt, uh, not wise from sixty yards in that situation, given what could go wrong, and then trying to get aggressive with Gardner Minshew and his ball security issues backed up to your own end zone with just a a minute or so before the half.
2: Yeah, brilliant offensively, Shane, on Sunday, but uh, awful in-game management and costing you 10 points there late in that first half. Again, Stephen Holder with us here from ESPN. Stephen, shifting gears to Michael Pittman's comments. It does seem like... In the last couple of weeks, whether it was Pittman talking about Jonathan Taylor's contract or his frustration after the game Sunday, it's a little bit of a different tone from Pittman. Um, you know, curious if some of that is contract year, if is some of that just kind of building frustration that's happened over the last couple of seasons with you know heavy quarterback turnover, certainly more losses than than wins, things like that. Um, what did you make of Pittman's um, comments on Sunday about wanting the ball more?
3: I was. I mean, I, I guess I was a little surprised just because of the timing of it. Uh, but I, I wasn't surprised. I would say that he did it at all. Uh, I mean, you know, I think if you if you talk to Michael Pittman on a regular basis, and <laughs> I'm starting to really enjoy my conversations with Michael Pittman. He is he is refreshingly honest and. You kind of always know where he stands. Now, I'm not talking about necessarily on, on the record. Now, a lot of this is not is just conversation and, and not just you know interviews. And I think it, it pays to have those conversations with players sometimes because you you sometimes understand the context of the things they do say on the record. You know, when you have other conversations. But anyhow, he is first of all, he's hyper aware of his situation. You know, just in general, like he understands the business of football. He understands his situation, the contract stuff. He's hyper aware of all of that. Uh, he he also is very in tune with what's happening with the team and and what has happened over the years. He's very honest about that. The, the quarterback situations that he has kind of been a victim of uh, that has not played well with him, <laughs> as you can imagine. And he's very honest that yeah, it has been. Uh, tough for him, and he has had to overcome that. I know that when Anthony Richardson went down, Michael Pittman took that pretty hard, you know, because he he thought that that would impact him directly, you know. And I think they were really developing, um, you know, a connection. It's very clear they were developing something between the two of them. And Richardson, that's his go-to guy. There's no doubt about that. Now, certainly Josh Downs too, but. When he's in trouble, he's looking for Michael Pittman. I think we have been able to already see that in the little time that Anthony Richardson has played. So he did have concerns about how it might have impacted him. Now he wasn't like necessarily pissed off about it, or you know, going to throw in the towel. You know, you might recall a few years ago when Andrew Luck uh, retired. Eric Ebron took a very different approach. He suddenly got an ankle injury. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so he's not going to do that. <laughs> but I do think he, he's very aware of how this affects him. And, uh, you know, I do think he's, he's kind of been through a lot. So I, I would say this. I don't think it's going to be a problem. Uh, Michael Pittman's a businessman. He's going to go out there. And he's going to play hard. And, You know, regardless of the situation. Look, if he did it last year, he's certainly going to do it this year. So I don't worry about that. But it just is a window into maybe some of the the frustration and ups and downs that he's had to deal with, which is real.
1: Yeah, it was a brutal loss on Sunday. There's no doubt about it. That factors into it. Stephen Holder with us, ESPN.com here on the Fan Pay Less Liquors Hotline. It, you know, Minshew seven turnovers the last two games. That goes to thirty-seven points. And boy, you sure saw short fields. Basically, you know, you get the the strip sack, but also just set up to where the Browns could do nothing for three plays and kick a field goal on fourth down a couple times. Minshew and the turnovers—is that something that is fixable? Do you think?
3: Man, I sure hope so. I, I've been thinking a lot about this and I've asked a lot of people about it. I, I I think the answer is he he's got to just get rid of the ball. I mean when he holds it, he opens himself up to these situations where where he can you know, where the pass rush can get to you. The problem is there are going to be situations where you do have to hold the football. You know, and I would I'd say this. I guess the fumbles are preferable to interceptions because, and here's why: because with interceptions, then I start to worry. Okay, are you just making bad decisions? Are you inaccurate, et cetera? The fumbles really are a function of if you get rid of the ball, then you know there. Then you don't have it when the defense uh, converges on you, and, and maybe you can avoid them. So, I, I, I guess I would say the fumbles are more avoidable because if you had a history of of interceptions, which which he does not, if you had a long history of interceptions, then I start to think, well, that's who you are. So his issue has been fumbles. So that is a little more avoidable, but at the same time, there's a track record there too. So I don't know. Uh, I don't feel great about it. I mean, we're, I'm not saying he's Matt Ryan, but we saw the impact those, those fumbles could have last year. And... You know, even though the defense was playing well at times early last season and all that, none of it mattered because of the turnovers. I mean, it's it's a little bit of shades of that right now, and, mm-hmm. and they're they're a better team, better record, and all that. But but the impact's the same.
2: Stephen, last one for me, and again, Stephen Holder, ESPN, with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Six days away from the trade deadline, we saw Tennessee. Uh, I guess get things started, if you will, earlier this week, trading away one of their veteran defenders. Um, you know, that's not the most shocking thing in the world when you consider where Tennessee's at, especially consider they have a new GM. Um, how do you think the Colts will handle the next six days in terms of the trade deadline? Obviously, they haven't been a very active trade deadline team in the Chris Ballard era, uh, but certainly last year they uh, did have that move with Naheem Hines for Zach Moss and the fifth rounder that turned into Will Mallory.
3: Yeah. First off, I would say I think with with Tennessee, I, I think it's important to, to mention that because you know they're they're obviously very uh, relevant for us. I, I think that might be the start of something. I'm not saying it's going to happen at the trade deadline, but like is that a re- to me? I wonder is that a recognition and finally a recognition that they have to reset this thing, you know? And maybe trading Kevin Bayard is not that big a deal in the grand scheme, but uh, it's a big step, maybe potentially toward what they have to do I think so we'll see for the Colts uh I don't know I the the Nahim Hines trade while that's a that's an example it's not really something where they have a track record I mean the one thing I'd say the, the Hines trade was was one where he wanted out and it was kind of a um you know a, a good move for everybody involved I don't think this is what that is I don't think that's what this is uh, where they have some some burning need to move somebody, or they have a burning desire to acquire a particular player. I, I mean, if there's someone out there cheap, particularly at a position of need like a corner or something like that who can help them, um, they have to consider that. But I don't see them moving anyone that I you know that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, I don't anticipate that, and I think for the Colts, you know, the way Tr- Chris Ballard treats his draft picks, I mean. He just doesn't give them away, so I, I don't know. It would have to be a really uh, a really good deal for him and, and something that's a little bit longer term, not short term. I mean, going and getting a guy whose contract is up at the end of the year, I don't know who that would be. I'm just saying, generally speaking, going and getting a guy whose contract is up at the end of the year, I don't see where that helps you or, or where that falls in line with Chris Ballard's um you know, sort of way of doing business either. So I, I would be surprised.
2: You know, I don't think it's like as black and white, Stephen. As you buy or you sell. Like obviously, you're trying to do a little bit yeah. of both in all likelihood. And, and I kind of view it like this. You know, last year, I don't think any of us expected Bobby O'Karake to be resigned. Bobby Okereke ended up walking to free agency and because yeah. of the comp pick formula you don't get anything in return for him. I mean you signed Samson Ebacom, you signed Matt Gay and how the formula works, he ended yeah. up walking and you got nothing in return. So I am curious like if there are any 2024 free agents. And, and to be fair, none jump off the page, but you know, obviously you have Pittman, Zach Moss, Julian Blackman, Grover Stewart, Kenny Moore. You know that those are probably the, the biggest names on that list. If you sit here right now and say we don't think they're part of our 2024 plans and beyond. Do you try and move them? I don't think that's I mean it hasn't been Ballard's mo and I'm right. I don't think it would be maybe with a first year head coach because I think he wants to instill more of a we're not selling type of culture. but I just feel like that's an avenue to explore because if you get a pick and return and now all of a sudden that pick down the road is in a trade package for a big time whiteout, you've done you've done a good job in my opinion.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the one guy whose name I've thrown out there, and this is not a report, this is not a suggestion, this is nothing <laughs> of the sort. It, it's just along the lines of what you said. The guy who, who kind of meets that standard that you laid out and, and, and for whom you have someone behind him would be Julian Blackman. Right. Because of Nick Cross. Mm-hmm. And so I have heard nothing about this, okay, to be clear. But it, I'm just saying, if we're, if we're trying to profile and trying to find right. uh, someone that makes sense, he could be, you know, whether whether he has value out there is what I don't know. How do other teams see him? I think he's having a great season. Uh, and I think he's a versatile player. Uh, he's, he's certainly cheap, you know, as his contract's expiring. If you have a thin secondary out there, and I, I think the Colts have a thin cornerback room, but at safety, they actually have three very viable players. So I don't know. That would be interesting. That's the kind of scenario I think you're talking about. I think, A, you have to have a guy who, who is in a transitional time. You know, like an expiring contract, and you've got to have some depth behind right. him too.
2: And, and you have that at linebacker with EJ Speed, you know, and, 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 and Bobby. Obviously, Bobby you let him walk, boom, EJ Speed climbs into a bigger role and, and certainly yeah. the emergence of Zaire Franklin helped as well. And, and I don't think outside of safety, I don't think there are very if any spots on the roster that you have that of expiring contract, young guy that I say this in quotes, you know, you're maybe stunting mm-hmm. the opportunity just with his lack of playing time. Uh, all right, Stephen, as always, great great great. Great stuff. We'll see you uh, later today out of Colts practice. Okay, guys. See you soon. Wake up call.
4: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new and everything in between.
1: Appreciate Stephen Holder joining us. A lot of Pacer talk, a lot of Colts talk. You want to find any of it, you can. Podcast center 1075thefan.com or download the podcast wherever you do so. As always, hanging on the drivehubler.com studio. So we're going to get Kristen uh, Airy here. We'll talk some Pacers with him uh, in about two minutes or so. You know, I want to bring this up, KB, uh, and you might be able to help me with this. You see I'm wearing glasses today. Uh-huh. These are brand new. Oh. These are brand new. I'm trying something. Not for the looks. Are those the blue ray? I mean, yeah, they, they have the, the blue tint to them. Yeah. That's supposed to be good. I've been having tired eyes. Okay. And my close-up vision. Are we blaming Mason for this? Uh, no, my close-up vision. Although, when I have been holding them and I kind of look down, I'm like, yeah, you're, it's a little fuzzy. <laughs> it's a little fuzzy fuzzy, so I'm damn near... That's a you problem, yes, not a him yes, problem, yes, to be clear. Yes, yeah. I'm damn near 40 years old. My my mom was, you know, I, I mean, she had glasses early. My dad had them in the early 20s, and so this is... I had like the close-up ones, you know, but I never wore them around here because yeah. I can't look down and then look up and see you and Mark, and right. the, everything's fuzzy. So I actually have a little bit of a bifocal here. And it. A l- like ben Franklin. I, yeah.
2: Nice. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to kind of like, like pull them up yeah, at some like, point. I'm like an, yeah.
1: o- I'm like an old Man, so everything, it's got better over the course of the show, but everything, like there's a small prescription in the main part, so everything is a tad fuzzy. It's Getting better, I figured. Even you wear glasses around yeah, here, I, I figured do. you could yeah, sympathize I don't rock with them. me.
2: Uh, I don't rock them like during the show just because, uh, close up, I'm good. It is the long distance, the driving, a sporting event, yeah, a concert, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, yeah, I'm the opposite where of where I need them. Yeah, 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 we need to somehow get LASIK and, <laughs> so, and marry.
1: So, that's, I mean, uh, uh, the problem I have is I'm like 2020 though. But, you know, my eyes get tired a little bit. They have to overcompensate. So I'm sure the YouTube audience has seen that. I'm sure they don't care. But uh, I have new glasses, so we're trying things out here. Who is the second leading scorer
2: for the Ooh, Pacers this season?
4: Dude, 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 dude. I assume dude, dude. that you dude, would dude, put Tyrese
2: Halliburton in as the leading yeah. scorer. Who oh would you put man. two? Would you put Matherin?
1: About heels. 7, 7, 17 a game? Is it between those two? Why don't you ask Chris? He just joined us. I think it's between those you two. You think it's between those two? Yeah. yeah I don't think Bruce Brown no. will be there. No, I don't think he'll be there. I think he'll no. be more of a fourth option on offense, don't you?
2: Yeah. Chris Tenary, yeah. TV voice of the Pacers, joins us at some point. I'll throw that question, but I do want to start a little bit more history with Chris Tenary. Chris, uh, year number, I'm going to guess, and I hope I'm somewhat close. I'm going to say 22. Uh, not, not that, Not that many yet. 18. Okay, 18, 18. Got it, got it. Uh, Hell of a run. Uh, Congrats on that. Opening night is here for you. Uh, Are we going to get Adam Silver with you guys tonight? I I saw that he's going to be over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse later today. Yes,
0: we have our usual uh, in-game interview with Adam Silver. I believe it will happen in the second quarter. Nice. Uh, He's always gracious to join Quinn and I. So, uh, yeah, he's in town for uh, All-Star press conference at 430 Um, And, you know, it's great to have him on opening night. Makes a lot of sense with the All-Star weekend uh, coming to Indianapolis in February. So, yeah, uh, I know Quinn and I look forward to it every year. We'll probably see him a couple times this year. Uh, But uh, like you, I I saw him last night in Denver presenting the rings, and uh, he'll make the flight to Indianapolis uh, for... Uh, today and tonight.
2: Before we get into the season, players, rotation, storylines, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, I don't know, maybe it's a media nerd coming out in me here, but obviously tonight you'll have Adam Silver with you guys. Um, anything, or are we expecting anything different broadcast-wise from you guys this season or pretty status quo? Obviously you, Quinn, and JJ, uh, you know, still together, but anything different to expect or uh, pretty much what uh, what we've gotten used to?
0: Yeah, we have the same personnel. I think uh, the cool thing is our uh, VP for Broadcasting and our great director, Jamie Burns. He's been doing it 20-plus years. We've got some uh, additional cameras uh, uh, within the playing floor and around uh, Gamebridge Fieldhouse. So you'll see some different sights and sounds. Uh, You you know, we now have, um, you know, the outdoor Bicentennial Unity Plaza. We've got cameras out there. Uh, we were doing a game uh, during the preseason, and there was a five-on-five game going on uh, out on the, <laughs> the the court at Bicentennial Unity Plaza. So there'll be some different things that I think you'll see, you know. But our and you know we have some different bells and whistles, but. Uh, you know, we want to bring you the game and and get people excited about Pacers basketball.
1: Chris and Ari with us here on the Fan Pay Less Liquors hotline. Well, Chris, I haven't met you, uh, but it's good to meet you over the radio. So uh, obviously, enjoy the work, and cannot wait to to uh, listen and watch to you guys all season long. How different do you think it will be at least early on? This team has legit expectations to get to the playoffs to uh, be above five hundred. Hell, both KB and I think they could be around forty 45- five. Wins, we think they could be a top six seed. How much does that change? I guess the thinking going into this season, where everyone's talking about this team kind of taking the next jump here.
0: Yeah, they probably you know jumped a little bit further than maybe we thought last year. Twenty five wins two years ago, thirty five last year. And um, you know, I was listening to you earlier. You know, when Tyree got hurt at the halfway point of the season, they were twenty three and eighteen, and either in fifth or sixth in the Eastern Conference. And I'm not sure they were a. Their or sixth place team but you know with Tyrese playing well early in the year and Miles Turner um, it was a different team I mean if you look at when when Tyrese and Miles played they played 48 games together and the team was over 500 at 26 and 22 so it tells you how impactful and how important those two players are uh, to this team to a man I mean when you talk to them they're tired of not being in the playoffs I mean Miles Turner has tasted postseason play as a member of the Pacers, but, you know, really nobody else has. I think, you know, T.J. McConnell's been a part of, of playoff teams uh, with the Pacers, but if anybody else, I mean, Obi Toppin was in New York. Bruce Brown won a title in Denver. Uh, Jordan Warrell won a title in Milwaukee. But guys have not done it in a Pacers uniform, and uh, they're very hungry, uh, and, and they want to get there. um you know, however that may be. I mean, if you have to get in through the play-in or the playoffs, uh, this is a team that believes that it needs to get Pacers basketball back to where it's expected to be.
2: Yeah, that's pretty well said, Kristen. Area with us here, year eighteen for him. Obviously, you'll see him and Quinn and JJ. Uh, you guys do a pregame, uh, like a big pregame special tonight, right?
0: Yeah, in fact, there's, you, you've got two things that you can watch uh, at five thirty. Uh, There's a half-hour preseason special that also aired on Monday night, but that's at 5.30, and then from 6 to 7, a a live one-hour pregame show uh, that J.J. and Eddie Gill will host up in the Bally Loft. So, yeah, so starting at 5.30... You know, game lasts till about nine thirty. Post game to ten. Uh, you've got about four and a half hours of Pacers basketball uh, content uh, tonight on Valley Sports.
2: Let's go! Opening night here for the Pacers. Wizards seven o'clock tip on that one. I don't know if you heard the question, Chris, that I threw to Andy before you hopped on. Uh, who do you think will be the second leading scorer for the Pacers this season?
0: Well, it's interesting. I, I heard it. Uh, you know, Tyrese was about twenty one points per game last year. Miles averaged eighteen. Uh, He had the best year of his career. That high. Yeah, Buddy Heald was around 16 or 17. Matherin was around, you know, 16. Uh, So, uh, you know, I I could see guys taking, from a numbers perspective, maybe a step back a little bit. Um, You know, maybe Miles averages 16, maybe uh, Matherin averages 15, and Buddy averages 14 or 15 off the bench. But you've got guys like Bruce Brown and Obi Toppin that are going to get points, so um, it'll be interesting. But I would think I would probably go with with Matherin and Turner as as probably your next two main scores uh, for this team. How
2: much do you think that closing lineup? Could change a little bit, you know. For the most part, the starting group has been the starting group. I know there was some debate about Buddy Heal, but he's been with that second unit. Um, I guess in the game situations, maybe you see this more in college than you do the NBA. Although the NBA, I'm sure you probably see it as well. But like the offense defense sub, you know, I'm kind of curious, Chris, when you get to the final few minutes of a game, um, is this going to be 1,000 percent Bruce Brown on the floor? Will Buddy Heal get any minutes? You know, is Obi Toppin viewed as a part of that closing lineup? Um, how do you kind of view where that will, uh, I guess, start the year from a final you know, three or four minutes of a game?
0: I think it's pretty fluid. And, you know, having watched Rick Carlisle coach this team the last couple of years, he tends to lean on, on how things are going that night. I, I don't really think he's locked into a set group that is going to close the game. I mean, if he has – you know, if Buddy Heald really has it going, then Buddy Heald will probably stay on the floor. I mean, Rick is that type of coach – That he's not locked into certain combinations at certain times. So I think it could be, you know, pretty fluid on a night to night basis, how guys are playing and and matchups, of course, you know, can dictate that. You've got, you know, for instance, on Saturday night, you have a Cleveland team. Jared Allen's out right now with a sprained ankle, but they tend to play two bigs. You know, other teams, you watched Golden State last night, they're playing small. So I I think it could be on a night-to-night basis and I think can be predicated on how Certain individuals are playing on a certain night.
1: Chris Neri with us here on the fan. Tudson coverage. He said four and a half hours at least of coverage, Pacers and Wizards tonight. I don't know. This is kind of a, a corny c- question, Chris, and so I apologize. But obviously, Halliburton playing well, being healthy, and all those sorts of things its such a huge part of, of this team. The numbers back that up. We understand that. Let's move him aside. Let's say he's healthy and Halliburton's doing what he does, okay? The key. The key for this team, and that's a player or a player, the key for this team to take that next step besides Halliburton is what? Help me fill in that blank. Who would it be?
0: What? Yeah, I, th- I think it's got to be on the defensive end. I heard you guys talking. Uh, you know, I think Bruce Brown is a huge asset for this team. Uh, you know, a lot will be put on his plate from a defensive standpoint. Uh, for instance, tonight, I, I would assume he'll, he'll have the assignment of Jordan Poole, uh, the former Golden State Warrior. But I- I've said this for this team to get to where it wants to be, that where it gets to the 40 plus wins. They have to be better defensively. Now, I don't think they have to be great defensively. I think this can be a very potent offensive team, but they have to be better. Uh, They were 28th out of 30 teams defensively last year. They don't have to be 15th, but I think they've got to be somewhere around 20. Uh, If you can improve eight or nine slots, um, I think that can correlate You know, five to seven wins. And if you're at 5-7 to wins, you're over 40 um, and, you know, might be approaching that 45. I still think there's a lot of parity in this league. Uh, There's a lot of good young talent. Um, I think all of, you know, I think most of the teams that didn't make the playoffs last year got better. I mean, you look at Detroit, they're young. You look at Orlando with the Fogners, with Bencaro. I mean, I think it's going to be a fascinating year. And so Rick Carlisle has said that. He goes, you better be ready to play each and every night because there are no gimmies in this league. Um, you know, I think maybe 10, 12, 13 years ago, I remember when the Pacers started, you know, like 9-0. and They were 37-7. and Now, they were one of the better teams in the league. But you just knew on a given night that they were going to win, and you just wondered how much they were going to win by. I just don't think that exists right now, uh, even with the really good teams. I just think that if you don't come ready to play, uh, you're going to get beat.
2: Chris, we ask you all the questions here on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. We got one here in the YouTube chat. Reed was curious: uh, Is the uh, Boom Baby Bar open yet outside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse? I don't know if you, Quinn, Jamie Burns, and crew, you know, meet there for your you know pregame drink before you you know play on the opening night. But uh, I, I figured I'd toss that question to you. Yeah, it's a beautiful plaza. I just wasn't sure if the Boom Baby Bar was open yet.
0: I believe the restaurant and, you know, uh, it's a Cunningham restaurant and the bar and all of that that they're continuing to work on, I think that will be ready after the first of the year, Got it. you know, just prior just prior to uh, the All-Star game. That's sort of the, uh, the the time I think they're looking at. And it's going to be fantastic. I mean, when you add that and the opportunity, and it's, it, Indianapolis is so great downtown. I mean, uh, you can come down, get dinner, have a drink, and then go to the game, you know, whether it's for the Pacers or the Colts. But adding the the restaurant and the bar and, and Bicentennial Unity Plaza has just made that a a really cool spot in downtown
2: Indy. All right, last one from me, and obviously he is TV voice Chris Denary. You will hear him tonight as the Pacers get their season underway. Pacers and Wizards, 7 o'clock tip. Um, I have said really for the last several months now, Chris, 5 or 6 seed. I I think it's realistic. Um, You know, frankly, I think it's kind of needed. I think it's an important step for this franchise to, to take after the, kind of the lack of either playoff appearances or playoff success they've had over the last five to ten years. Am I, like, not giving the Eastern Conference enough credit? I I, I don't know. I feel like, you know, talking to some other people, they're like, man, five to six? I, I see it a little bit more in the play-in range. Uh, am I missing out on some of these Eastern Conference teams that maybe I should give more more credit to?
0: Well, I I think, you know, every year certain teams take a step forward and certain teams take a step back. I mean, clearly at the top, uh, you've got Boston and Milwaukee. Um, You know, I think Cleveland can be really good. You know, we saw Cleveland in the preseason, and we'll see Cleveland twice uh, in the first five games. You know, Philadelphia, what are they going to be? I know. You know, with with all, all the turmoil that's happening there, but they've got some really good players. I mean, Maxie and Joel Embiid. Uh, the Knicks, I think, have a really good roster. Um, you know, Chicago has three. They didn't make the playoffs last year. They have three all-stars, right, in Levine, DeRozan, and Vucevic. Uh, they've got Kobe White. They've got the Sumu. I mean, they've got a lot of talented players. So, in some regards, Kevin, you can put all of those in a hat and on any given day pull out and go, gee, I think this team could be pretty good. They might be the fifth or sixth seed. Uh, Miami, I mean, they've got Jimmy Butler, I mean, they went from the play-in to the NBA Finals last year, so I think it's going to be very competitive. Can the Pacers be a player in that? I absolutely believe so. But I think, like all teams, you got to stay healthy. Uh, you got to do a better job at home. You, I was listening to you guys. You're right. The Pacers, the last few years, have been under 500 at home. They had gone like 30 plus straight years with a 500 or better record at home. So with so many games early, I think 7 of 9 and 11 of 16 at home, you really need to take care of home court advantage. And I just thought the the, the atmosphere and the crowds were great last year. I mean, you can tell this fan base enjoys watching this team play. Well, they also want to enjoy watching this team win. And I think that's where it's got to start starting tonight.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, again, that is very well said. Uh, Do you guys usually do pregame intros for opening night?
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah, we will take those live. Okay. So, yeah, that's that's always something that we do uh, on opening night, that we do a really quick open, uh, get to that second segment, because we know people at home that if you can't go to the game, it, it, it sort of helps you get into the season when, when you hear the PA announcer Uh, announcing the team to
2: the crowd. He's an absolute pro. He was a hell of a basketball coach for myself back in the day. He is Chris Denary, and you will hear him, Quinn, and JJ and company again coming up tip at 7, but coverage begins much earlier than that and much later tonight as they get ready for opening night. Chris, can't wait for it. As always, thank you for the time. Hope the family is great. Great seeing you and the grandson a few weeks ago, and uh, have a great call tonight.
0: All right. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, Thanks. Uh, Good to talk to you and meet you through the phone, Andy, and congrats on having a little boy.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it, Chris. Thank you.